The world of wokeness is awash with happenings and newsworthy events all the time. So this week, we're going to look a little bit at that. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Wikipedia Podcast. I am Kyle Witt, and this week we are looking at woke news. From time to time, we want to give you an insight to what is happening in the world of the woke beyond just our more in-depth articles and overviews. We want to give you some of that more recent news and happenings. Again, this week, it's just me, Kyle. Uh, unfortunately, Sam and Micah couldn't be here for this episode, but we hope to have both of them on for next week's podcast. But let's jump right into some woke news. And if there's time at the end, we might even have a little bit of woke story time. Ooh. But first, we have to address the news. First up, we have the... And I apologize right off the bat because there's going to be quite a bit of Southern Baptist mixed into this, but they are the largest evangelical group in the United States, and they like to get themselves in the news. But first on that is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptists is in the news again for uh, pushing Congress to grant residency to a large swath of Af Afghan uh, refugees that were brought into the country. Now, some people might go, okay, well, what's so bad about that? Well, for starters, they're partnering with the left-wing evangelical immigration table, which is funded by multiple George Soros organizations, whether it's the Open Borders uh, Society or uh, the ACLU. Uh, let, let's look at one more. What What is one more organization? The National Immigration Law Center, uh, so on and so forth. Soros is all over this. It is very left-wing, and the ERLC likes to partner over and over with them. But what are they what are they really pushing for? They're pushing for the massive amount of refugees that let's be clear we caused the civil government already failed on this front with them and the solution that the ERLC is pushing forward is I'll just make them all American citizens. Whoa, these are people that have not been vetted, that were just rushed over here when we made a chaotic and disturbing retreat from Afghanistan. Not disturbing that we retreated from Afghanistan, disturbing the way we did it and handed a terrorist organization weapons, uh, resources, and lists of names of cooperating Afghans and leading to a very similar circumstance to Vietnam withdrawal. Hmm. 
there's a certain political figure that has a commonality between the two of those. But the solution the RLC is pushing in co pushing Congress to adopt is just make them all American citizens. That is really bad. Beyond the fact that it should be concerning for Christians on a Christian level that we'd be bringing in a massive amount of Muslims into this country, which is a very dangerous religion, very dangerous religion. Not that necessarily every single Muslim is dangerous, just like not every single Christian actually believes what they say. It just happens to be that if you actually believe Christianity, you're going to be a good person. Whereas if you actually believe Islam, you're going to be serving a very bloodthirsty demon named Allah. Now, the solution to just make them all citizens is horrifying. If they want to go through a proper vetting process, that is one thing. But to just let all these people who have not been vetted, who pretty... <laughs> There's no doubt that there are questionable people mixed in there. To make them all citizens, that's not Christian. That's not responsible governing. That's all around inappropriate. But speaking of the ERLC, their past president, who set the course the ERLC is on, who is one of the biggest woke leaders out there in evangelicalism, Russell Moore, he's in the news as well. <laughs> the man that started the partnership between the ERLC and the evangelical immigration table, the one that has been boasted about uh, in Soros documents about his partnership. Russell Moore is in the news because he's now the editor-in-chief at Christianity Today. Christianity Today, which in a modern context is no stranger to compromise, but now they are adding a, another level. They're making it incredibly apparent, broadcasting it out there to everyone who might still have a question where they stand. Yeah, they're woke. They're on the left. They are not a resource to trust. They are a resource pushing evangelicalism in a woke, progressive direction. Again, this is Russell Moore. We already talked about the Soros link, and we already talked about the uh, evangelical immigration table. He has gone way out of his way to fight for uh, Muslims under the guise of religious freedom in the past as well, uh, up to the point of defending the building of mosques in cities that did not want them in locations that they were not zoned for yet he defended them again uh, it's christian it's it's i almost said christian freedom it's religious freedom but that's not what religious freedom is you don't protect someone's religious freedom by going out and defending them when they are one breaking the will of the community breaking the the codes of the community in essence, breaking the law. That is not protecting religious freedom. That is pushing another religion. So this is a man that's no stranger to pushing Islam. It's no surprise that the trajectory that he set his organization on, even after he left, is continuing. 
This is going to be a very, very interesting time for Christianity today. Again, if anyone had a question where they are, it should be very, very clear. Now, <laughs> on the note of Russell Moore, let's link it to the next thing. Roy Moore, no relation to Russell Moore. Roy Moore is in the news. The former uh, chief justice in uh, Georgia, two-time actually, both time was ousted by leftists, one for defending the Ten Commandments, the second time, a more recent time, because he would not toe the line when it came to gay marriage in 2015 at the Obergefell decision by the Supreme Court, a decision the Supreme Court does not have the jurisdiction to just unilaterally declare. They cannot legislate from the bench. They cannot say, oh, yeah, gay marriage, legal. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works with Roe v. Wade. We should have ignored that. It's not how it works with gay marriage. Should have ignored that. He actually did that. Brave man. And he was roasted for it. And when the leftists were coming after him, the conservatives did not stand up. Not in any significant number. Not the, the Republicans that had the power. No. They rolled over, got him removed. But he made it back. He roared back by winning the nomination, uh, Republican nomination, to be on the ballot uh, as a senator in Georgia. And he was predicted by, I mean, is Georgia? They hadn't elected a Democrat to Senate since the 90s, early 90s, I think 92. And if I remember right, that guy became a Republican. So it was pretty secure where things were going. Until accusations came out. Of course, there's always accusations. Now, some of them were just wild off the wall ones. Some of them tried to substantiate things, but again, couldn't, could not provide any evidence. Yet men like Russell Moore, evangelicals like Russell Moore, clamoring at the opportunity, hey, we got something. We've been trying to distance ourselves from this man who's actually upholding the law and being a faithful Christian. Now we got something. Let's go after him. So they did. Russell Moore tweeting about how we can't support this kind of thing and all sorts of nonsense without directly addressing the issue. It was all sort of, you know who I'm talking about type things, as well as not providing any evidence. But the big one there is Al Mohler, a man that has been hard for many to accept his actual position on things, despite what we have shown evidence-wise, I'm talking evidence-wise, in Enemies Within the Church, in further documentation on Wikipedia, It's been hard for people to accept that he's not the conservative hero that people believe he is. Yet in the case of Roy Moore, he went on CNN, very hostile to Christianity, very hostile to uh, conservatives. He was invited on to talk about Roy Moore and Al Mohler, without any evidence, decided to condemn the man and encourage people away from voting him on national television. Ouch! That is problematic for so many reasons. Again, no evidence. But Roy Moore has recently been vindicated for a large portion of this. Now, there was 
everything was outside a statute of limitations anyway. There was no evidence. There was no way to really go about this. And it never went anywhere. And in like many of these accusations, fizzled up as soon as the campaign was over. But Roy Moore did not stop there because they were destroying his reputation. It was having impact. So he sued a Democrat super PAC that had gone after him and just this last week was awarded over $8 million in damages for the lies that were published against him. Again, this wasn't a civil or this wasn't a criminal trial to say, is he innocent and guilty of crimes? Yet they still had to go over, is what is claimed about him valid? And the jury found resoundingly, no, no, that they were lying, that they were deceiving people, that they were trying to make him look like something that he wasn't to the tune of eight, over $8 million. Now, Moving along from there, we talked about Al Mohler. He is the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but we're going to quickly mention Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. This may be a name that's familiar to many people, even outside of the Southern Baptist Convention, particularly if you've been paying attention to Wikipedia or enemies within the church, because they are the poster child of woke seminaries, or at least wokeifying formerly conservative seminaries in the current moment. And at their announcement for their orientation, the schedule, it has a time slot for kingdom diversity. Yes, if you're going to orientation, you need to go and learn about CRT because kingdom diversity is the CRT arm of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Oh, but Kyle, are you just saying that? No, this is very obviously the CRT arm. They are pushing out unequal weights and measures, pushing out uh, woke, woke materials, woke books, woke everything, uh, and includes professors who have taught CRT. It's very, very obvious. But moving on from there... Now, this might sound a little bit disconnected to a degree, but stick with me because it's very relevant to wokeism, which is the CDC. The CDC has walked back. At this point, they pretty much walked back all of their COVID narrative, whether it's masks. Oh, well, they, it turns out they weren't actually as helpful as uh, as we were claiming uh, to now vaccines, vaccine mandates, uh, natural immunity, they're admitting that no, natural immunity is just as effective. Uh, we don't need the mandates. Two things such as you don't even need to quarantine or to isolate. I'm sorry, proper terminology, isolate for 14 days after exposure, known exposure. So apparently the virus has changed so much that it is nothing to really bat an eye at. Now, the question is, was it that way the whole time or did something dramatically change? And I think if anything changed, it might be narrative wise. Now, we'll see if the rest of the government follows the CDC. Now, the CDC is no longer supporting uh, the narrative that they desired. Let's hope. Uh, I know my 
uh, my pastor in particular, his son-in-law has not been able to visit because he is Canadian. His uh, daughter was finally able to get across the border with, and he was finally able to see his grandkids again, but can't see his son-in-law because of nonsense border uh, restrictions. On our end, U.S. end, the U.S. won't let him in because he's Canadian, uh, because he won't get a certain uh, experimental injection that has proven to not be very effective. But what does this have to do with wokeness? What does it have to do with wokeness? It has a lot to do with wokeness because the woke were screaming that we need to close our churches. Now, there was a question mark at the very beginning when we did not know exactly what was going on. So, yeah, it's reasonable for churches to understand the difference between panic, which is where the world went and where the woke wanted us to go, and reasonable response. Reasonable response was, okay, there is a questionable virus going around that we do not know exactly how bad it is or exactly how it behaves. So for those, when they said 14 days flatten the curve, okay, fine. For the first two weeks, we will do our church slightly differently, whether that is churches that went to a parking lot service or took some other measure precaution like that while still fully satisfying meeting. And even if you were a church that decided, okay, for the first two weeks, we're going to close, that's fine. You're exercising reasonable precaution. Now, I personally don't think that especially in retrospect, that it was responsible to close your church for those two first two weeks and go 100% online. But I'm not going to roast anyone for that as long as you open back up. But the woke were saying, no, 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 no. We have to close. We have to close. There's a deadly virus. We have to close. Ooh, Black Lives Matter. We need to go protest. Okay, we have to close our churches. Oh, my goodness. It's such a bad narrative. It didn't work at the time, and it looks so much worse now. The CDC has walked back all of their restrictions and uh, claims on things. But let's link that to something else, because the Southern Baptists have been in the news for a, another big thing, and that is the whole sex abuse issue that keeps getting them back in the news. And this is a very complicated issue. I've done work in other places to try and help explain some of the details, but even I'm not up to speed on everything because, oh my goodness, Southern Baptist politics are complicated and the Southern Baptist organization is complicated. But I've come up with a really good way to explain it. The SBC equals the CDC. SBC, CDC. And sex abuse equals COVID. Now, I hope that just made a nice little analogy in your mind, especially coming right off the heels of the panic being revealed by the CDC to be not quite what they made it out to be. Hmm. But thanks to all the SBC's virtue signaling, thanks to all the woke leaders doing things to cripple the SBC in this process, to uh, elevate the issue. Oh, no, look, it's such a big issue despite the numbers not supporting it. And in fact, when I ran their numbers, their numbers specifically, it was 
dramatically lower than the U.S. average. Dramatically lower. But they virtue signaled. They said, look how bad we are. Look how horrible we are. We are full of sex abuse. Every Southern Baptist, oh, every single one, every, every pastor, every minister, everybody, whoa, all of them are, are just sexual abusers. Uh, and that's only a slight exaggeration. I have actually heard that from Southern Baptists. Yes, from Southern Baptists, not just angry uh, liberals on the outside that see an opportunity to go, look how bad the church is. No, from Southern Baptists saying that all Southern Baptists are uh, sexual abusers. Very curious what they actually meant by that, but that's what they said. But there's this narrative, even in the SBC, that, well, sex abuse is everywhere, everywhere. And that's the virtue signaling that the SBC has done. Look, look how bad we are all over the place. And now, hmm, surprisingly, they've got a law enforcement agency coming after them. The slightly surprising thing is it went all the way to the top and the Department of Justice is investigating the SBC. Now, very little details are known about that, but the SBC, again, in their virtue signaling, has released a statement before any real information about the investigation is out there, at least to the public. But they've released a statement saying that all SBC entities, we're on board, we're going to partner with this. Oh, yeah, this is great. Ooh. I wouldn't trust the Department of Justice uh, anytime in the recent recent past, but uh, particularly not this Department of Justice that has shown themselves to be a, well, very much a political tool that is going after a former president with, uh, to say, questionable, I don't think questionable, questionable is too kind with really no reason. Even the narrative uh, reason is less than squishy. It's so bad. But this Justice Department is going after the SBC. Now, I warned about a few things in leading up to and then in response to the uh, sex abuse issue in the SBC uh, and them adopting reforms, dramatic reforms to the convention. And a lot of them were coming true in more dramatic ways than I would have thought. It used to just be questionable to be in the SBC. And then I'd argue it became sinful to be in, in the SBC. It's not sinful to, you know, leave and still fight it and hope for one day restitution to be made, sin to be removed, and then to rejoin it. That's fine. But it was sinful to stay in it. But now it is dangerous to stay in the SBC, especially since the SBC is pushing the idea that it is a top-down denomination and the top level has full control over things like state conventions. And by virtue of that would mean that they are probably claiming they have direct control over individual churches. And in the recent reforms that were adopted, they gave themselves a lot of control over individual churches. What does this mean? Well, liability goes up and down the chain now. At least if a certain lawsuit in the Supreme Court goes the wrong way, if it goes the right way, maybe there might be a little bit of defense for churches. But at this point, you could be getting hit 
by an investigation from the Department of Justice. You could be rolled up into that. You could be rolled up into lawsuits, into all sorts of things. And I've got to say, protect your congregation first. Your congregation is more important than the SBC. So get out, please. I keep saying that, and then I kind of roll back to a reluctance to say it. But at this point, it's dangerous. Please, you've got to get out. Please, if you care about the SBC, then fight, leave and fight and hope for a bright future. But care about your congregation today, today. They need protection right now. But looking at the time, we have a little bit of extra time. So who would like woke story time? A little uh, nice kid story to calm us down, to settle things. Doesn't that sound relaxing, soothing? Hmm. Well, let's do that because I have with me God's Very Good Idea, a book by Trillia Newbell, who uh, is, well, she's worked extensively with the Gospel Coalition, with Desiring God, with a few different organizations. Uh, she currently works for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Hey, they came back up. It all seems to come around. Uh, and... She has written many books. She is a prolific conference speaker. Uh, that is her, I don't know if main thing is the right description, because maybe main thing might be the job at the ERLC. But she, again, is pretty prolific on the conference scene, evangelical conference scene, among a broad variety of conferences. But let's see what she is teaching children about God's very good idea. Now let's see if we can figure out what is God's very good idea before she reveals it to us. In the beginning, in fact, before the beginning, God had a very good idea. Now I could see two options for that, either the gospel or just creation itself, which would then sort of bring in the gospel as well. But let's see what she thinks God's very good idea is. It was even better than solar panels invented in 1954. That's not true. They were invented in the 1800s. Uh, there was a new version invented in 1954, but they were not a new concept or new invention themselves. I want to also point out something else. She has a Right here in the picture, she has a woman next to the invention, uh, except the ones in 1954 were invented primarily by three men. It was even better than chocolate chip cookies invented in 1938. That one is true. And that one was indeed invented by a lady that looks uh, all very familiar to the uh, image that is here. The Super Soaker, invented in 1982. That one is true. Color TV, invented in 1942. Not true. It was invented in the 20s. Fireworks, invented in 700 BC, which puts them about 1,100 years before gunpowder was invented. That's pretty far off. The Life Raft, invented in 1880, which is not true. 
life rafts were invented before then. Uh, though the life raft she's probably referring to and the fact that she has uh, a woman of a specific look here uh, was a major improvement. And in fact, looking up a little bit about who that woman was, which I'm sorry, I forgot her name at this point, but she was quite the inventor and is someone worthy of being recognized. But she was not the original inventor of the life raft. Roller skates invented in 1760. Except pretty much everyone agrees that they were not invented in 1760. The x-ray machine invented in 1895. That one is indeed true. Now, what... Why did I distract from reading the book to point out all the errors in that page? Because if you can't get very simple things like that right, it makes your presentation in general very questionable. Considering how little time it took me to just type into Google the questions and find that she was not exactly accurate, it did not take much to get that right. Also, if you're going to be handing this book to my kids, which is to say, I got this book for free. I did not pay for it. But if you're going to be handing a book to my kids and it contains false information like that, I'm going to be very upset. Even if it's those relatively small things, I want them to have accurate information. But let's continue with the story. God's idea was to make people. Hmm. Okay, so it's not about creation. It's about specifically creating people. Lots of people, lots of different people, well, now I'm a little bit worried. What is she, where is she taking that? Who would all enjoy loving him and all enjoy loving each other? That would all be made in his, or they would all be made in his image. They would all be like mirrors reflecting what God is like. Because God is full of love, they would be full of love too. I'm concerned why she's emphasizing love so much, but she hasn't defined it. It seems squishy so far. So God got to work. He made a beautiful world for people to live in. Again, she's already clarified that the big idea is creating uh, people specifically, not just creation, creating in and of itself. Then he made the first people, a man and a woman, and he said to them, be happy. Enjoy loving me and loving each other. Have a huge family that will fill the earth and look after the earth and enjoy the earth. Now, that specifically was in quotation marks. So she's obviously trying to allude to the Bible, but I'm not sure what passages she'd be referring to there. It seems to be based off of the dominion mandate, uh, be fruitful and multiply, uh, and to spread across the earth, take uh, dominion of the earth. But that's not what she presented here. And I don't remember God telling us to be happy. Um, though God does. Part of enjoying a good creation would be to be happy, but. It's still just very strange. And specifically the. Uh, fill the earth and look after the earth and enjoy the earth. We weren't put here simply to look after the earth and enjoy the earth, although both of those things are implied in what we were told to do, but we were told to have dominion 
over the earth, this creation. We are the stewards of this creation and not passive stewards like uh, many make it out to be, nor are we just a part of creation like uh, environmentalists try and make us. We are the the stewards in the sense, if you've seen Lord of the Rings or read the book, stewards in the sense that the steward of Gondor was there in place when there was no king. He was ruling in the place of the king. That is our job. We are to have dominion over the earth in that way. This creation was made for us to use. That's why so many useful things were put in it for us to discover and build with and create with. God carried on creating people. All of them were made in his image. She has not defined what made in his image is yet. And all of them were different too. Some were men and some were women. Oh, good, good. And we've got that clear. She also clarified that earlier too. Something you have to clarify nowadays. Some liked reading and some liked riding bikes. Some had darker skin and some had lighter skin. Some had curly hair and some had straight hair. So, so far she's put an emphasis that God's very good idea was creating humans and specifically that very surface level differences, very surface level diversity is intrinsically linked to that. It seems to be that she's establishing that diversity itself is the very good idea. We live in God's world. We are all different, but we're also all the same. Everyone you see is different than you and the same as you. They might look different or speak different or play different, but they are all made in God's image. And so they're all valuable. This is God's very good idea. Well, there it is. She did clarify that diversity is God's very good idea, creating diverse humanity, not simply in creating humanity, but specifically creating diverse humanity based on a very surface level uh, definition of diversity. But people ruined God's very good idea. The first people chose not to love God. This is called sin. But that... Yes, Christ told us that if you love God, you will obey his commands. Loving God is intrinsically linked to obeying God, but sin itself is not simply choosing not to love God. Sin is disobedience. It is disobedience to God's law. It is breaking of the law, transgression of the law. We are all transgressors of the law. The Bible makes that very clear. The sin we committed was to disobey. Now, in that, we broke the loving relationship we had with God. We trampled on that love. We did tell God, we do not love you. So that is intrinsically linked to that, but that's not specifically what 
that's not what original sin was. And that's not what sin in general is. You need to be specific or else you will lead people into errors. And especially with our children, we need to get them clear on the fact that you are sinners. You have broke the law. You have done wrong. Not simply just tell them that they chose not to love God. And because they chose not to love God as they should, they forgot how to love each other as they should. And again, there, she's not, she's never defined love. So she doesn't even have that to fall back on. But she's also sort of equating the love that we have for God with the love that we have for each other. So she's she's squishifying it. She's lowering the love. It's not even the the obedient love that we should have. It is this sort of like friend love. We are the same. We choose not to love God. And so we are not able to love each other like we should. We sin. We sometimes, we treat others badly because they're different than us. People fight with each other. People are mean to each other. People laugh at each other. This is very much not hard hitting. And should you expect a child book to be hard hitting? Actually, yes, it should be giving solid biblical truth. So there should be uh, a hard hitting nature to it. There's a difference between making something accessible and dumbing down something. Uh, this is definitely in that dumbed down evangelical category, but there's also a woke aspect to it. And she'll make that very clear, but let's get to it. Because we have ruined God's very good idea. He is not pleased with us. Our sin means we can't be friends with him or enjoy living with him. It seems like God's like a roommate that we had a spat with. We need God's forgiveness for ruining his very good idea. Again, for ruining what? What's the very good idea? Diversity. We ruined diversity. Now, if she means that it's supposed to just be creation in general, again, she didn't establish that. And she said pretty directly that it's diversity. I'll give her a tiny bit of benefit of the doubt there. But what she actually said, and I cannot give her benefit of the doubt on this, is that it was diversity. It's the same for everyone in the world. People who like riding need forgiveness and people who like riding bikes need forgiveness. People with dark skin need forgiveness and people with lighter skin need forgiveness. People with curly hair need forgiveness and people with straight hair need forgiveness. But God was not surprised by people ruining things. And again, I have a problem with just saying ruining things, but that's not big issue that's more of just again give them the the truth give them what that means he had always had a very good plan to rescue his very good idea so god got to work he came to earth as a person jesus now i'm going to point out and this is going to be relevant on the next page we have jesus here in the panels and Jesus is quite dark-skinned. Now, I don't care if, well, a lot of people have a problem with portraying images of Jesus. I'm not quite the second commandment says you cannot have a 
picture, like in a picture book of Jesus. But I do think it's something that you need to do very, very carefully, very carefully. Uh, but if you're going to do a picture and it has light skin, I'm not going to throw my arms up. If you do a picture and he has darker skin, I'm not going to throw my arms up. Uh, yes, he's Middle Eastern but we also don't know the exact skin tone that they would have had back in that time. We have ideas and I think it'd probably be more respectful to go with uh, those ideas rather than making them too light, too dark. But the reason I pointed out is because on the next page here where he is interacting with, where he's interacting with, Israelites, and you can see them in the background, not as well. And you can see them on this side as well. Plus that random, like full on sub-Saharan African. Um, I don't know what he's doing there, but you notice that all the, the Jews are look more like Greeks and they're all very light skinned. So if they're supposed to be Jews, which they are, why does Jesus not look like them? That's why I have an issue with her portrayal uh, in this. It's done for the wrong reasons. It's done for diversity. It's done for wokeness. But continuing on, Jesus loved people who were different than him. Well, yeah, ev everyone he loved was different than him because they weren't God and they were also not perfect. They were all sinners and he was not. I don't think that's what she's going for, though. He loved people who no one else loved. Your faith has made you well. I can see. He always enjoyed loving all the different people he met. Jesus shows us how to enjoy loving each other. I, I thought we forgot how to love each other, but now it's just simply we don't know how to enjoy loving each other. That's somewhat minor, but that's inconsistency. Again, we should not be dumbing things down to the point where that they're just incoherent and inconsistent for children. Respect your kids, elevate their knowledge, which means you have to teach them above where they're currently at. But people didn't love Jesus. Instead, they hated him. They put him on a cross to die. But this was a part of God's plan. On the cross, Jesus took our sin so that we could be forgiven. Jesus forgives his people for their sins. And I will admit, she does at least get the basics, very basics, rudimentary basics of the gospel in here. And she does even later on, I'll spoil something, she does talk about the need to uh, repent, although she doesn't say repent, you need to ask forgiveness, but at least she's getting the super basics in there. But she has a lot of other things. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose back to life and then went back to live in heaven. And then he gave people his spirit to help them enjoy loving him and loving all the different people they know. That's kind of a, well, not kind of, that's a weird description of the job of the Holy Spirit and the reason that the Holy Spirit was given to us. Um, I don't see how you could boil it down to the Holy Spirit was given to us so we could enjoy loving God and enjoy loving all the different people uh, that we know. 
again, especially with her kind of watered down, she hasn't defined love, but she's ma- already made it watery. It is not the kind of love uh, that we should actually have towards God. Now, if she established what love is and that obedient sort of love we should have towards God and the reverent love she sh- we should have towards God, I wouldn't have a problem with saying to help us enjoy loving God. Second part is it just doesn't, you can't sum up the mission of the Holy Spirit that way, though. Jesus helps us to love each other. One day, God will finish his very good idea. Jesus will, shouldn't it be rescue his very good idea by the pattern she's laid out? But continuing, Uh, Jesus will come back and make the world perfect again. And anyone who has asked Jesus to forgive them will live there with all their different languages and skin colors. But that is not the important thing. Again, she's made the important thing is diversity and that God's very, very good idea was to create diversity, diverse humanity. And in the end, uh, the end goal of the Bible is to restore diversity in a, you know, perfect new creation. But that's not the story of the Bible. And the the end goal is not that we will be there with different skin colors and different languages. In fact, it seems very likely that we won't have the different languages anymore since the the differences of language was literally established to divide us. So I'm assuming God would take that away, but that's just an assumption. But again, they're worshiping diversity. Like that's the end goal. It's the end goal of God. It's the end goal of the Bible. But that's not, and that's not the point of the new creation. The new creation will get to stand side by side with our brothers and sisters as new creations in Christ, worshiping united as a new people. Had to emphasize that, really emphasize that. Truly enjoying creation, truly worshiping god forever they will enjoy loving god and loving each other they will enjoy praising god for making rescuing and finishing his very good idea which is diversity and here's where even if you're like okay well is it really that woke but here's here's a statement that just takes the cake in the whole thing but here's a very 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 yes she does have three varies good part of God's very good idea. You don't have to wait till then to enjoy it. If it's something that only God can do, that will only be restored at the new creation because it is this, you know, perfectly ordained diversity. Yet we can have full access to it now and she she, you don't have to wait until then to enjoy it there's no qualifier there so taking her at her word at her description we can enjoy it now i I, that's we can have heaven on earth that's what she's saying we can have heaven on earth literally have heaven on earth and that we don't need christ 
to accomplish that work. So what's the, what's even the purpose of the recreation if we can have it all now? Yes, we can experience, we can get a, a foretaste of what is to come, but we will not have the reality of it here. But the, it's common in woke things to have this, this utopia now uh, attitude that we can create utopia because they worship diversity. So let's finish up the book. There's not really anything else here, but let's just finish it. God welcomes anyone who asks him to forgive them. And when Jesus welcomes someone, he welcomes them into his family forever. He welcomes people who like reading and people who like riding bikes. He welcomes people with darker skin. He welcomes people with lighter skin. He welcomes people with curly hair and people with straight hair. God's family is called the church. Your church fam friends and your brothers and sisters, uh, your church friends are your brothers and sisters, your wonderful and colorful church family, uh, where we're going to emphasize that we're all different and divided. I mean, it's fine that we're different. God did institute legitimate diversity for a reason. We're also, we all praise him in different ways. We all have different giftings and talents. We all have different uh, expressions of things, and that's beautiful. But these surface level, skin deep differences are not the diversity that God is seeking. And those surface level distinctions fade away. There is no Jew or Greek. You can enjoy loving them and loving God with them. This is God's very good idea. Lots of different people enjoying loving him and loving each other. If you had any question that her description of God's very good idea is diversity, there you go. She restated it. God made it. People ruined it. He rescued it. He will finish it. And with your church family, you can enjoy being a part of it right now. That is the kind of woke stuff. That's a very basic level, surface level wokeness. It's not too deep, but it's still off. And you shouldn't bring that garbage into your kids. Now, here at Wokipedia, we make these resources to try and hopefully help people who are caught up in these ideologies see the truth to um, help you to be able to recognize these things and to be a resource for you to help your friends that might be being pulled into these ideologies. We don't want you to be giving books like this to your kid. We want you to be getting good resources. Uh, now, <laughs> talking with Micah, he had a great idea. What if we made a our own kids' books that were solid. I don't know if we have the talent for that, but if you want to see us try and make a kids' book, contact us at contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Give us your ideas and tell us who you'd like to see that. But give us your, your general feedback as well. How are we doing here at Wikipedia? Are we being that useful resource? Are we being valuable? Please let us know. We get a lot of attacks here. We get torn down by all these things. We have to wade through all sorts of uh, awful things going on in the church to collect this information, and it weighs on us. And whenever you reach out to us in a comment or a email and let us know that it is helping you, it means the world to us. It really does help us keep going. 
Beyond that, we need your prayer. Please pray for us. We need a lot of prayer going on this journey. It is a difficult path to walk, and we need prayer so that we don't slip off, that we don't slip off into cynicism, that we don't slip off into uh, self-involved depression, um, that we don't just give up. We need your prayers. And if you would like to sponsor Wikipedia, whether it's the podcast or the radio show, contact us at wikipediamedia at gmail.com. Now, for both those contact links, they're in the description of this. Wherever you're getting this podcast, it should hopefully be there as well. I know it distributes to a lot of platforms uh, more than I even know, and I hope they're on all of them. I try and make sure it's there but that contact information is down there. Again, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you have a ministry or a business that is faithful to Christianity, and we are very particular about making sure of that, contact us. Or if you know ministries that are worthwhile, that should be highlighted, contact us there as well. Again, wikipediamedia at gmail.com. We want to be highlighting valuable resources. Now, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Wikipedia Podcast. God bless you all, and remember, don't go woke. Woke.